0: I want to take a few moments right now and go right to the Word of God, and I want to just drill down on one thought that I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today, and it's simply this. God will finish what He starts. That's a fact. Amen. Amen. Now, now let me just give you a disclaimer right out of the gate. There's a lot of folks that are asking God to finish some things He had no part of, You know, you get, out, you get out on your own ideas and then start asking God to, to bless that. And that doesn't always work. There's a lot of things that God's not going to come and clean up because he had no part of it. But what God starts, he always finishes. In fact, one of the first pictures that God gives us of himself in the word is a revelation of a God who finishes what he starts. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God Elohim, creator of heaven and earth, takes nothing. And makes something. He creates our world and everything that exists in it. And then the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, look at it with me on the screen. It says, By the seventh day, God had, can you say the next three words with me out loud? Finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Whatever God starts, he finishes. There was a time in the New Testament where Jesus was sitting at a well with a Samaritan woman. He's having a conversation about faith. And the disciples have gone into the town to get some food and supplies. And they come back and they tell him, hey, Jesus, you really, you should get something to eat. And Jesus tells them, he says, I have food that you don't know anything about. And I'm sure that stumped them. They're all looking around going like, did did somebody bring snacks? Did you, I didn't bring snacks. Did you? Are you holding out on the snacks, Jesus? And Jesus says to them in that conversation, it's in John chapter 4, and in verse 34, Jesus says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to, can you say it with me, finish his work. He always finishes what he starts. When you get three and a half years into Jesus' ministry, as he prophesied would happen." He's arrested. He's taken before a mock trial. He's mocked and scourged with the cat of nine tails. He's forced to carry his own crossbeam up Golgotha's hill. And Jesus has nails driven through his hands and his feet. And he's raised up on the cross. He's hanging there for some six hours that day. The sky grows black. And Jesus begins to speak. Some final words from the cross. It's recorded for us in John chapter 19, verse 30. It says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, would you say it with me? It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It's finished. It's finished. The apostle John said it like this. He said in in John chapter 1, in verse 14, that That all of a sudden the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have beheld his glory. The prophet Isaiah said it like this. He said he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with our grief. In other words, Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he died a sacrificial death. And that work that he came to do in that moment was finished. See, it's the justice of God that demands that that sin has to be paid for. And Romans tells us the penalty of sin is death. That's what justice demands. But it's the mercy of God that insists that he take the penalty on himself. This is a picture of the perfect will of God right here manifest in the cross of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews talks about this perfect will. And it says this in Hebrews 10 and verse 10. It says, and by this will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. In other words, he doesn't have to go back and die for your sin because you sin again. What he started that day, he finished. And in fact, there's several things that I believe God wants to finish in our lives. And if you're a note taker, the first one is what we've been talking about. It's the way. Jesus finished making a way for the lost to be saved. And when he had made the way, when he had sacrificed his life, he said it is finished. The most important piece of God's plan in reconciling lost and broken and sinful humanity back to a holy and a righteous and an awesome God. The most significant piece of the work was done in that moment. It changed everything at the cross. But can I just point out something in the statement? When Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, he did not say, I am finished. And can I present to you today that there are some things that Jesus is still finishing? There's a work that Jesus is still doing. Thank God he made the way where there seemed to be no way. But there's more that he wants to do. And we have a part to play, by the way, in the steps that we're to take. The truth is, we can't even do our part without his help. So even in the things that God asks you to do, the things that he asks me to do, he's still doing the work. Let me tell you about a second way that Jesus is finishing his work. Not only in making a way, but in an awakening. I believe there's an awakening that's happening. Not, not only can I say that confidently on, on a global stage or a national stage, but I mean right now in in hearts and in minds, even in this room, there is an awakening. See, the Bible says this about you and about me. And Just take all of your pop psychology and, and uh, positive mental attitude and put it on the shelf for a moment and just listen to what the Bible says about your heart and about my heart because I think you're going to find... It's contradictory to popular opinion today. The Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there's anyone who understands, any who seek God. All have turned away, verse 3 says. All have become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Doesn't that make you feel good about yourself? Doesn't that just make you feel like you can just go out and just conquer the world? God's word. There's nobody who does good. Not even one. Jesus said it like this in John six forty four. He said, no one seeks the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Paul the apostle said it like this in Ephesians 2.8. He said, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. What I'm telling you in this moment is that even the faith that you put in Jesus as your way wasn't your own. It was given to you by God so you could give it back to him. So not only does God make the way, he makes the awakening. You would have never sought God if his spirit had not called you. It was the stirring of the Spirit of God. It was the grace. It was what Galatians says is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Because on our own, we'd never turn to Him. There's a phrase that's been popularized in the last two decades or so of the church. and It describes churches that are very intentional and, uh, and focused on those that are farthest from God in the way that they show hospitality, in the way that they communicate, in the way that they plan and strategize. And the phrase is seeker-sensitive. And maybe you've heard that term before, seeker-sensitive, describing those that are really focused on those that are maybe not committed but seeking. And thank God for innovative ways to reach the lost. But can I give you a phrase today that's way more important than seeker-sensitive? And that is that we are spirit-sensitive. 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 And what I'm telling you right now is why that matters. Because the Bible says that if the Holy Spirit is not drawing somebody's heart to the throne room of grace, it doesn't matter how hot and strong the coffee is. It doesn't matter how many greeters we put at the door. It doesn't matter how comfortable and padded the chairs are. How many of you know our hearts are wicked above all things? No one can know it, and we need the Spirit of Jesus Christ to awaken us to our need for a Savior. He is finishing his work today of awakening people. And can I just encourage somebody in this place, if you're here and you've heard these stories of people getting baptized and and you've listened to the church lift her voice in song and there's a desire that's stirring in you, a longing to, to draw near to God. If there's any inclination in your heart to step towards Jesus, can I just encourage you, let him finish that work. Let him finish that work because my guess is, and I might be wrong about you, but this probably isn't your first time feeling that. Maybe the first time you felt felt it, you rejected the invitation to come, but you've gone a little farther. You're here. You're in the room. You're checking it out. But let Jesus finish that work in your life like he finished the way Let him finish the awakening. Come to the place that you recognize, you know what, God is calling me. God does love me. This is his mercy that's drawing me to salvation today. My prayer is that God would finish that work in our hearts and lives. Let me give you a third thing that Jesus is finishing. The witness. The witness. Talking about the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says in John chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus is speaking To his disciples, and he tells them, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, when he comes, he will testify about me. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. The Holy Spirit came to be a witness about Jesus. And then right after this verse, Jesus tells them, he says, and you must testify about me also. So can I just, again, encourage somebody today that has already found Jesus to be the way. Your spirit is already awakened to the reality that you need a savior. If you've been made alive in Christ, you have everything you need to spend an eternity with Jesus in heaven. Right now, if you gave your heart and life to Jesus, you have everything you need to spend an eternity with God in heaven. But you might not necessarily have everything you need to live a temporary life for Jesus on the earth. Now, if you plan on dying tomorrow, then just relax and skip this next point of the sermon. But if you might think that God has a plan and a purpose and a mission and an assignment for your life, then you ought to pay attention to what Jesus said about what happens after salvation. See, when Jesus was with his disciples, who, by the way, had already fully committed their lives to following him, were already fully committed to his plan and purpose, he met with them in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. The words are recorded. Jesus said to them, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power, from on high now understand this is the resurrected jesus speaking this is post easter post empty tomb and he's telling them i'm going to send you the promise of my father and then luke expounds on that same conversation a little bit more in his second book in acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 luke tells us on one occasion while he was eating with them He, Jesus, gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling them, guys, look, I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. I rose on Easter Sunday morning. I've breathed on you the power of the Spirit. I know that you're, you're amped up, you're fired up, you're ready to run out and attack hell with a squirt gun. Yeah. But you need to wait. You need to wait for the promise of the Father. And he tells them a few verses later, down in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth and then in just a few days just like he said it happened in fact it was 10 days later acts chapter 2 tells us that these disciples 120 of them were gathered together in the upper room they were praying And it was the day of Pentecost and the Bible says suddenly there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind that filled the room and tongues of fire came down and set on each of their heads. And the Bible says they were filled, all of them, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. And immediately their encounter thrust them out into the marketplace and a mass crowd of people showed up and gathered. By the end of that Experience, the Bible says, some 3,000 people got saved. Peter was preaching, and right in the middle of his sermon, he explains the experience. He tells them what it was. In chapter 2 of Acts, verse 33, he says, talking about Jesus, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has now poured out what you now see and hear. This is Peter saying, everything that you're seeing, everything that you're witnessing, what's happening in this moment is the very thing that Jesus promised was going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. And then at the end of that sermon, in verse 39, he says to them, the promise that Jesus promised that is now here, that you see, this promise is for you. And for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Understand this when a Christian receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they receive divine power that Jesus intended every one of us to have so that we could be effective witnesses for his kingdom. Again, if you don't have a purpose in the earth today, you're as saved as you could ever be saved. Jesus is the way. But before we run out and fulfill the mission, he says, not only am I the way and the awakener, I'm sending the witness. And he's going to give you power to be effective witnesses. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying God has more for you. I'm saying there's more that God, that, that God, the one who finished the work he's done already, wants to finish another work in your life. He made a way. He awakened our hearts. And he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on all who are hungry and thirsty to make us effective witnesses for him there's one more there's one more thing i believe jesus wants to finish and it's the walk the bible says in second corinthians chapter 3 in verse 18 and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the lord's glory are being transformed Into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. If you want to know what God is doing in the church today, he's transforming us into the image of Christ. Why don't you just look at the person next to you and tell them you're not quite there yet? It's true. Yeah, take your halo off today. It's true. We're being transformed. It's not a finished work, but earlier I, I read a verse to you out of Hebrews chapter ten and verse ten. And I, I want to just I want to look at it again. I want you to see something because there's there's two statements that sound paradoxical, but it's both and it's not either or. These are both true. This is the verse we looked at earlier in verse ten. It says and by that will the the perfect will of God. By that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all it sounds like a completed work that sounds like Jesus has said it is finished you've been made holy once for all can i tell you today when god looks down at you child of god he doesn't see all your sins he doesn't see all your imperfections he doesn't see all your failures he sees you as the spotless bride of christ he sees you the same way a groom would stand right here and look down that aisle and see his beautiful bride dressed in white. The Bible says you've been made holy. You're perfect. You're blameless. That's the bride Jesus is coming back for. That's his church. But then a couple verses later, down in verse 14, I want you to look at what it says. For by this one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made Perfect. That's done. Forever. Those who are being made holy. You see the contradiction. We're perfect, but we're being made perfect. We're being made holy. And it's not either or. Both of these statements are true. Positional holiness right now, seated in high places with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. We are a high priesthood, we are the children of God, we are spotless, holy, pure, positional holiness, but practical holiness, come on, you know. (laughs) I don't have to tell you your story. We're not there yet. But there's a work that God wants to finish. And what God starts, he finishes. And I just want to invite somebody today to take the next step. To allow Jesus to come to the place where he can finish all the work that he wants to do in you. It's like the old song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How many of you are thankful for saving grace? Amen. Amen. Titus talks about that grace. In Titus 2 verse 11 he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people but saving is not all grace offers you got to look at the next verse verse 12 says this grace it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled it got quiet in here (laughs) upright and godly lives in this present age I wonder how many people wouldn't love the song Amazing Grace as much if they knew that grace that saves us also sanctifies us. See, grace is not just about making a way. It's about teaching you how to walk in that way. And the grace that saves us begins to shape us and sanctify us and to change us into the image. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. And my appeal to you is to not wait till we get to the end of the story. As Paul said in 2 Timothy, I have have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. My prayer is that every one of us would get to the place that we can say that. God is as interested in the journey as he is the destination. And so can I encourage somebody to just stop at the next step and give God some praise that he's moving us in the right direction. Amen? I want to encourage you today. Take the next step. And let God finish the work. And right now I want to invite several people to come and to join me in this altar area These are men and women that are joining this church. These are men and women that are taking the next step. It's not the final step. Being a church member is not the brass ring of Christianity. But it's people that are coming to the place that they recognize the work that God is doing in my life is not just about my life, but that God has put me in a body of believers. That God has put me in a local expression of the church. And that I'm not just here to receive something this morning, but the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and I have something to offer. So the people that I'm going to invite to come and stand here in this altar are men and women that recognize they have a part to play in the kingdom of God that's being expressed in this church. And as I said earlier, there there's three services today, and so not all of the new members are in this service, but I'm going to just read all the names, I'm going to read the whole list, and when I say your name, if you are here, would you just come and just stand right in the front here in the altar area, and we'll kind of fan out to both sides as it fills up. But church, I, I want you to just be encouraged as we see some folks that are taking another step in the work that God is finishing in their lives. We have quite a list of new members to celebrate today, so we'll, we'll contain our applause till they all get up here. Rachel Bayham, Brian and Maria Finley, Ron and Crystal Bolton, Larry and Karen Blackburn, Tom and Nancy Durr, Jeff and Jeanine Clark. Rich and Tammy Fritz, June Grimm, Julie Kostenbauder. Caleb Kostenbower, Rod and Sue Graham, Karen Royer, Rick and Alicia Roth, Angel Rodriguez, Tim and Brianne Day, Linda Shank. Ben Keeney. Can we give a hand to all these people that are coming? Amen. 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 I want to ask all of you that are up front here, if you would just turn and face me for a moment, and we're going to pray for you. You know, Paul the Apostle said this. He said, He who began a good work in you shall bring it to completion. And we could all say confidently, God finishes what He starts. But oftentimes, we're we're guilty of taking a verse like that. It just sounds encouraging. And just kind of claiming that verse and not really even knowing the context. It just feels good to say God's going to finish what He started. But can I tell you, there's a good reason that Paul said I'm confident that God will complete the work he started. He wasn't just saying it as a general statement, as a word of encouragement. He was saying it to a local church in Philippi. And I want to put that verse back in context, and I want you to see why he was so confident. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, what the Apostle Paul was saying is because you're consistent, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When Paul looked at the faithfulness of the people of God, he said, from the very beginning to now, you've been faithful, so I'm confident. Now, I've known a lot of folks that are, that are fickle, and I don't know what God's doing in their life. You know, one thing today, something else tomorrow. But when we look at people that say, I'm, I'm all in, I'm committed, I'm faithful, then I can say with confidence, like the Apostle Paul Every time I pray for you, I pray with joy. Because from the first day until now, I see your faithfulness. And I'm confident that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So church, I want to ask if you'd stand with me all over this room, from the front to the back. We're going to pray for these men and women that are standing before us today. And I want to ask that that you would just stretch your hand towards them. Just as a sign of faith, would you just lift your prayers with me all over this room? God, I thank you for the men and women that you have brought into this church to build your kingdom. Your body is not lacking. Every resource that we need to fulfill our God-given assignment is in the house. In fact, the same Spirit of God that caused Jesus to get out of the grave is in the house and living in these members. So God, we recognize today that they're not here just to receive or to partake, but they're here to be a living, active, vital expression of the work of Jesus Christ through this local church. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would even fill and refill them today. God, give them a fresh anointing for the next assignment. God, fill them with your spirit. Give them dreams and visions. Give them clarity about the future. And God, may this church rally around them as each member is jointly fit together. Lord, may we be a cohesive and powerful, unified force. For Jesus, you said, because we love one another, because we're in unity with one another, The world will know that we are your disciples and that you have sent us. And so, God, today, we pray that you would breathe the breath of God on this house again. Lord, build your kingdom. Build it in us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, can we give God praise one more time? Amen. 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 I want to ask if you guys would just stay here for a few moments as we get ready to close this service. I just want to tell you what our mission statement is as a church. Many of you know it. But if there's a, a mark in the center of the target for us, it's this. Leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Essentially what that means is leading people from where they are to take the next step. So that Jesus can say, not only is it finished that I made a way, but for those that are just sensing God calling them today, there's a stirring, there's an awakening, there's a shaking from your spiritual slumber. Take the next step so that Jesus can say, it's finished. They were unaware, their heart was cold, they were calloused, they were insensitive, but now they hear my voice. My sheep know my voice, they're fully awake. For some of you, you you know the Lord and you've walked with the Lord, but there's just a desire and a hunger for more of God. The good news for you is Jesus said, there is more. There is more and the next step for you is to say, Jesus, I just wanna pursue more of your Holy Spirit. Can I just testify to you? We had an incredible crowd here on Wednesday night for our prayer gathering. God is moving in our Wednesday night prayer gatherings. And some of you, you just need to take the next step in your pursuit to say, God, I'm going to hunger and thirst for more. That the witness, the promise of the Father would fill my life. For some of you, maybe the next step is just aligning your walk. And there's some areas of your life you haven't fully surrendered to God. The belief is there, but the conviction hasn't been formed enough to say, God, I I give you everything. Would you take the next step today that Jesus can say, whatever that was that was causing a detour in your your relationship, whatever that roadblock was, it's finished. It is finished today. So I want to pray for all of us one final time, and I want to ask you to bow your head with me all over this room. If you're here today and you're listening to this message, maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and you sense the Lord is telling you to take the next step. He's calling you. He's calling you to another level of commitment, to an act of obedience, to an expression of faith, to repentance from sin. God's calling you. Take the next step step if that's you today would you just lift up your hand and say pastor that's me just raise up a hand all over this room just as an outward sign of saying God is calling me to another step amen amen hands going up all over this room just make a declaration to the Lord in this moment to say Jesus I hear your voice God I hear you calling me I'm stepping in I'm leaning in now would you pray this prayer with me all over this room let's come in unified hearts to the Lord Dear Heavenly Father, we're stepping into your presence. We're stepping into obedience, aligning our lives with your plan and your purpose. Jesus, we believe that you made the way and that no one comes to God except through you. So I receive your gift of salvation and i repent of all my sins jesus you have my heart now lead my life i trust you lord to be the way and to show me the way in the name of jesus and all god's people said amen 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 come on let's give god praise